0: Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.
1: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
2: This is an historic time.
1: This is going to be a multi-year fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a hoax, it is real. Something that we have
2: never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the
1: scientist, you're going to have to tell me. (laughs)
2: Welcome, welcome to Science Rules, Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We are all in this together, my friends. It's been a year since the World Health Organization officially declared that we are in a pandemic, To date, there have been almost 120 million COVID-19 cases worldwide, with more than 29 million of those cases here in the United States. More than 2,600,000 people have died from this disease, including more than 530,000 people in the U.S. alone. The relatively high number of deaths in the U.S. compared to the rest of the world points to a unique pattern of this virus. Typically, infectious diseases disproportionately hurt low-income countries. But if you look at the numbers, it's just not the case with this coronavirus. Death rates are highest in countries like the U.S., the United Kingdom, Italy, Germany, and France, and relatively low in countries like Nigeria, India, Bangladesh, Ethiopia, and Pakistan. As the author of a recent New Yorker story wrote, this isn't how public health emergencies usually work. Here to help us understand this unusual pattern is the very same author of that very article, Dr. Siddhartha Mukherjee. He is a cancer physician and researcher at Columbia University, and you may know him as the author of The Emperor of All Maladies, a biography of cancer, and The Gene, An Intimate History. Dr. Siddhartha Mukherjee, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. May I call you Sid?
3: You may call me Sid, and I actually tell you that my daughters are your biggest fans.
2: Oh, that's, how old
3: are they? They are 11 and 15. Oh, these are my people. They are your people and your biggest fans.
2: My very best to them. Now, I just read your story, I guess it was yesterday, in The New Yorker. Why does the pandemic seem to be hitting some countries harder than others? When you say hitting countries harder, are we talking about per capita?
3: We are talking per capita, and we're talking about deaths, not about uh, total infection numbers. Right. Not just
2: cases. Not cases,
3: but deaths.
2: You'd think the U.S. being this developed world countries would have better public health and they would have fewer deaths per capita. But that is not the case. Right.
3: Well, so that's that's the mystery here. And that's the mystery I took up. So just Bill, just to let you know, I'm a virologist and immunologist by training. So, although my, I'm a cancer doctor, my, my PhD work is in virology and immunology. And I began to really scratch my head around this when I began to see the pattern of deaths. Now, compare Nigeria with the United States. You have one hundredth the number of deaths that you have in the United States. Compare Mexico with India. And again, you have one-tenths, the number of deaths. Um, so there's a a bizarre pattern in which you see that some countries have done very um, badly in terms of deaths, and some countries have done very well, comparatively, in terms of... And the U.S. is one of the bads. The U.S. is among the worst. And you scratch your head as an epidemic. It's like a, it's a it. Yes. You know, it's like, it's a little bit like, you know, Remember Cluedo, you know, Mr. Crispin with a, a candlestick in the, uh, in, yes. in, in, in the greenhouse?
2: Uh, Cluedo, Cluedo. Yeah, here in the
3: States, we just call it Clue. Exactly. So, so it's a little bit like Cluedo. You, you say to yourself as a virologist and, 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 and an epidemiologist, why is it that, that these countries which have sophisticated health systems, why are they doing worse First of all, there's this
2: business of the median age. Now, in your article, you went down the list. The median age in India is, about, is less than 30, below 30. is 28. The median age in Italy is 47. So if it's going to affect old people, you would think um, countries with, a, with an older population would be more severely
3: affected. Clearly, the median age is one part of the story, but it cannot be the entire part of the story. And I'll give you some examples. The median age in places like Mexico is similar to the median age in India. And yet Mexico is doing very badly while India is doing relatively well for reasons that we don't understand. I'll talk about that in a second. Another example is uh, compare Thailand with the United States uh, where the median age is similar. Thailand has recorded very few deaths So, you know, one of the things that epidemiologists who study disease patterns like to do is to to build models. And one of the models that came out was early in the COVID pandemic, and they took the median age into account. And they predicted, you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths in African countries, hundreds of thousands of deaths in Asian countries. And yet, the numbers of deaths in African and Asian countries have been comparatively fewer, whereas in Italy, Belgium, Spain, the United Kingdom, and of course, the United States, the number of deaths has been much, much higher or close to what was predicted. So, it is a mystery, and we need to solve that mystery because that mystery has consequences about how we think about vaccinating, about how we think about pandemics in the future. What is it about these places? That seems to be relatively protective or relatively better. Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's a number of things. And that's really the question here.
2: Let's think about multi generational households. So in the States, we have this, we have a lot of older people living together in, in a nursing home. And so uh, in India, for example, you have many generations living together. So maybe, perhaps, the uh, elderly population is more distributed. Is there some mysterious, wonderful uh, immune response that you get by living with younger people?
3: So the answer is unknown, and it'll keep us busy for a while. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that science can solve. The data is what I call the warehouse elderly in the united states mm-hmm. versus yeah. the intergeneration elderly in other countries so the warehouse elderly in the united states is a very important phenomenon and it's true also for the united kingdom the warehouse elderly means that we in because of family structures and various other reasons we take the elderly in the united states and we put them into homes we put them into assisted living facilities If they're living independently, this families are small. In places like India, Thailand, and other places, the elderly are not warehoused. They live in intergenerational households. This is is data that's available from the UN website. You can download it. You can understand it. So that's one piece of data. And we know that one-third of the deaths in the United States, maybe more, occurred amongst the so-called warehoused elderly.
2: Is that true in Mexico also?
3: We don't know the data from Mexico yet because they are still counting. Mexico doesn't have a warehousing system and we don't have the full data for Brazil.
2: You need a wealthy society to have something like that.
3: That's correct. That's correct.
2: So not changing the subject, but looking for answers here. What about Japan?
3: Well, Japan is a very different society, right? So Japan, the median age is much higher. So the elderly live for a much longer time. But Japan had a very different uh, approach to this. Japan isolated early, they had a very active isolation system, very active contact tracing system, and they have actually fared relatively well in the pandemic. And Tokyo is for the most part open, as I said, and you can only get in because you know Japan's an island. And uh, they are very, very, very careful, like New Zealand, like Australia, very careful about letting people in who may have an an infection and tracing and, and, and making sure that they don't spread the infection.
2: So what about the government responses in these countries? You're looking into that, too, right?
3: That's right. So Japan, New Zealand, Vietnam, Taiwan, Australia, that also contributes. I look at potentially the possibility that these governments are hiding data, that they're underreporting, but it doesn't seem to, it might contribute a little bit, but it doesn't explain the hundredfold difference between, for instance, Nigeria and the United States. So um, in the end, we are left with a puzzle, and part of that puzzle might be immunity and immunological response. So, See,
2: that, intuitively, that seems like the one to me it is reasonable that there's some other disease that people all encounter. Like I grew up getting measles and chicken pox and stuff. There's some other disease that people in these places have encountered that helps you deal with the COVID virus. How hard is it to conduct such a study? Like it would be genetic studies, right?
3: Uh, it wouldn't be a genetic study, but it would rather be an immunological study. So let, let's talk about genetics for a second, because it's very important. So some people have said, oh, is there genetic protection? But it can't be genetics, because if you're a citizen of one of the many countries in Africa, your death rate from COVID is many fold lower than if you are an African American living in, let's say, New York City. So we know that that these uh, two populations share a large number of genes just because of ancestry and heredity. Same for Indians. And if you're an Indian living in India, your chance of dying of COVID is much lower than if you're an Indian living in the United Kingdom,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. right?
3: Meanwhile, you share all the genes. So it's not a genetic study. It's really an immunogenetic study or an immunological study. I should say two more things that have been raised. Uh, One of them is obesity. Again, it's the same epidemiological it. Obesity certainly con- contributes to your death from COVID. How does it do that? The answer is no one knows. Uh, we know some factors in all of this. Some of it has to do with the fact that if you get ventilated and you get into, into the ICU and you're obese, it's much harder to move you know move your lungs if you're obese. But that can't be the only factor. There must be some more physiological reasons that your immune system is affected by obesity that we don't, feel, don't yet know. Um, similarly, for diabetes, type 2 diabetes, your immune system, we know in type 2 diabetes is depressed, uh, suppressed, uh, not exactly active. And so the type 2 diabetes is also a contributor. So the analogy that I use, remember, there is a very famous Agatha Christie it? novel called Murder on the Orient Express.
2: Yes, yes. Yes, very creepy.
3: Yeah, it's very creepy. But it's Murder on the Orient Express is very interesting because the Belgian detective, he has big mustaches. His name is Hercule Poirot. He usually uses the idea that there must be one killer, you know, one place, one murder weapon. Mr. Crispin with the candlestick in the conservatory. And... The mystery in A Murder on the Orient Express eludes Hercule Poirot because he can't figure it out. And ultimately, he concludes that in that particular novel, um, it's not one, there's not one murder, but there are multiple murders. They all did it. And I suspect that for COVID, it's going to be like that.
2: It's going to be a combination of factors. It's going to be a
3: combination of factors, each contributing but not explaining. So as I said, age, potential underreporting, potential comorbidities such as diabetes and obesity, and potentially the uh, immune response or the prior immune response to other viruses, uh, including other coronaviruses.
2: So is there a way to sort out the immunological question that is to say my hypothesis that there's some disease that has already swept through this, these populations that doesn't make it to the developed world?
3: Uh, there is a way, yeah. A lot of focus now is on whether countries like India, countries like Nigeria, et cetera, et cetera, because of various infections Previous immunizations, etc., or have a heightened immune response, whether it's innate or whether it's adaptive. But the nice thing about this bill is that scientists know how to dissect each of these pieces.
2: How do you do that? Is it uh, you take blood samples and then you, that's count exactly cells? right.
3: Yeah, you you take blood samples and you ask the question before you encountered COVID or after you encountered COVID did you have a prior immune response? Um, And if you had a prior immune response, how strong was it? Was it stronger here versus the United States or versus the United Kingdom? If you had a stronger response, did you fare better? Did you not go to the ICU? These are scientific questions that are answerable. These are known unknowns.
2: We'll be back right after this.
1: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
2: How long will it be before you think we can sort these questions out, this whodunit?
3: So, as I said, I mean, uh, it is clear to me that the who it has multiple answers. So that's the first thing we have to accept from the standpoint of a pandemic. That's not a problem. Often that's the case.
2: What's another example?
3: Uh, uh, Influenza, right? So influenza, a good example. Influenza sweeps through the planet. Some countries do very well because they've had prior immunity to that particular strain. Some countries do well because they're isolated and no one goes to them. Some countries do badly because they get a very bad strain and it sweeps to the population. This happens Mm -hmm. very, very often. Another example is uh, HIV. Um, Some countries have had very low rates because they've had very strong public health maneuvers and public health messaging around the use of condoms and other ways of preventing HIV. Other countries have not and have had rampant spread of HIV. So Mm. this is not an unusual situation.
2: What about air circulation? Clearly, whether it's nighttime or daytime, at least in the States, people get less infected when they're outside.
3: That is one of the toughest things to answer because air circulation through the day is very hard to measure because it varies so much. If you're outside your office or your room or your classroom versus in a park, air circulation varies dramatically, right? And we have a very relatively poor idea about so-called ventilation dynamics. In other words, it's very hard to assign a score to the amount of ventilation that you have during the course of the day because it varies so much. It varies by country and it varies by state and situation, et cetera, and profession.
2: So intuitively, uh, if if air circulation were a big thing uh, in preventing the disease, more circulation, less spread, then you might you might expect tropical countries to have less spread because uh, people are outdoors more. That's correct. But then you might expect Mexico to have less than it does. You might expect Florida to have less than it does. So
3: and so so it can't be the only answer. And this big this brings us back to. Murder on the Orient Express. It may be playing part of a role, but it can't be fulfilling the full role. now the the, the thing though, Bill, is that remember that murder on the Orient Express or multiple culprits in a who done it makes scientists very unhappy. We like to have simple answers. You know we like to have formulas, but in humans are complicated. Human beings are complicated, human diseases are complicated. Human pandemics are complicated. And one of the points that I make in the piece, in the New Yorker article, is that scientists themselves may need to adjust to the idea that in this particular pandemic, there may not be one answer, but many answers. This may be a murder on the Orient Express.
2: So along that line, if in these uh, countries where they have relatively low rates of infection and death, should they be, if I may, the last to get the vaccine? No. No. I mean, should that be weighted or that just seems like a weird...
3: No, no, I I would say that everyone should get the vaccine because the vaccine, all the vaccines that we know so far, most of the vaccines, I should say, that we know so far help. Get it done, shots in arms. Do not hesitate because hesitation only causes deeper problems and allows the virus to have more mutations. And the more mutations the virus has, the, the, the only way, and let, this, let, let me be very clear about this, the only way, way a virus can possibly mutate is if it makes more copies of itself. And the only way it can make more copies of itself is if you get actively infected. So vaccination is an absolute way to get out of this problem.
2: So one more thing, Sid, what's uh, Othena doing, your company?
3: So Athena is a vaccine delivery platform. It is a digital platform, and it is working to make vaccination more efficient and effective. So we have vaccinated three hundred fifty thousand people in Orange County, in California. What's a digital platform for a vaccine? So you register the key to vaccination in any country, because vaccinators. Are the People factor.
2: that stab, that poke you with that the poke needle.
3: You. That's the limiting factor. And it's going to be the limiting factor very soon because we'll have more vaccines. So what we do is we digitally register you, we put you into a queue, and we allow you to set your own appointment and so that you can move through the appointment system much But To
2: make the, the system more efficient, where you show exactly, up at the right exactly. time. I've gotten two shots of Moderna.
3: Great. Here in
2: Los Angeles at, at Dodger Stadium, right. the first time I was by myself in my car, my electric vehicle, and uh, I waited a little over five hours
3: to get. Uh, my so first five hours, shot. five hours is not acceptable. You know, we learned many lessons when we, you know, we were in the middle of a pandemic. We had to roll out as fast as we as we could. We learned many lessons. Now the system is very efficient. And what's important is that it doesn't doesn't prevent you from registering in other systems, so you can register through Dodgers, through My Turn, through whatever you might be. One Health. Exactly, it decompresses. Athena decompresses the system.
2: Let me ask you this: uh, It looks like, and I'm delighted. It looks like here in the United States, the administration is under promising in the hope. Of over delivering, like it was trying to be a million a day. Now it's last over the weekend. There was a three million day, three million vaccinations a day. So that's very
3: hopeful. I love the idea of under promising and over delivering. That is a uh, that is a wonderful idea. Um, um, I think we it would be a great goal to vaccinate four million people a day, and we could do this using a combination of a digital platform. Whatever it might be, I'm not plugging. Such
2: in. as Athena, but, but a I'm digital lug-
3: platform. Plenty of vaccinators, complete availability of vaccines, so lots of vaccines available. Let's get the most vulnerable people vaccinated first. And then let's move on to other people who are who are also eligible. And in the meantime, let's figure out if we can what the safety and long-term effectiveness of vaccine is for all people, but particularly for people under the age of 16, which is not currently unvaccinated, right? So my daughters are unvaccinated, but I would like to them to get vaccinated if we can show that the vaccine is safe and effective in, in that population.
2: Get vaccinated, people. Be a team player. So we're all in this together. It's a pandemic. It's not a local-demic. It's an all-over-the-world-demic, people. So thank you so much, Sid. My guest today has been Dr. Siddhartha Mukherjee, a cancer physician researcher at Columbia University and author of The Gene and Intimate History. I'm Bill Nye and my friends, this is a pandemic. We are all in this together. And now more than ever, Science Rules. If you like Science Rules, Coronavirus Edition especially, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Helps us out helps other people learn about the show. Helps us find out what you want to know about. So thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Harry Huggins and Corey S. Powell. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Louis Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Josephine Margarana is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford. And remember, at Stitcher and around the world, Science Rules. So everybody wear a mask, socially distance, and get a vaccine as soon as you can.